Good morning, everyone. So good to have you with us today, and we're so thankful for our little kids that remind us of the innocence and the beauty of the season. There's a, a, a little boy who wanted a brand new bike really badly, and so he went to his mother and he said, Mom, I, I want a new bike. And her mother, knowing that uh, her son hadn't be, been the, maybe the best kid in the world, said, you know what, you better, go, uh, you better go write a letter to God and ask him for a bike. And she thought that would quieten him. And so he did. He went and got a pad of paper and a pen into his room and wrote God a letter. Dear God, I've been good this year. I think I deserve a bike. And even as he wrote those words, he knew that it was, actually wasn't true. He hadn't been that good. So he crumpled up the paper, threw it on the floor, and got the pad of paper and a pen out again and began to write a new letter to God and said, Dear God, I've been okay <laughs> this year, and I like to have a bike. And he thought about that for a moment, thought, nah, he hadn't even been okay. <laughs> so he took the paper, crumpled it up, threw it on the floor. And he sat there for a moment thinking, well, what, what could he do? How could he get this bike? Ran down to his mom and said, Mom, I want to go to church. And her mom, his mom said, right now? Yes, Mom, right now. And what, what church do you want to go to? Well, Mom, there's a, there's a Catholic church down the street. Can I go there? And Mom thought, well, can't hurt. So he went to the Catholic church down the street and... and uh, looked for a little statue of, of the Virgin Mary. And as soon as he saw it, he looked around, grabbed it, put it in his coat, went back to his room, got out the pen and the paper again, and said, Dear Jesus, I've kidnapped your mother. <laughs> if you want to see her again, give me a red bike. <laughs> oh... For the last few weeks, we've been talking about the presence of God and recognizing that this season really is a season that reminds us that life really is about enjoying the very presence of God. I want to tell you about a group of men who had little to no experience with the presence of God or of the living God. And this group of men we all know as the wise men, or as we three kings, or the magi, different names for them, but you know who I'm talking about. They had never really ever enjoyed a sense of the presence of God, the way that some of us have. And I say some of us because not everybody who goes to church actually knows who God is or has had an experience with him. I've been a pastor now for over 30 years, and if there's one thing I do know, I know that not everybody who goes to church actually knows God. Some of us know what that presence of God feels like. We know all about the sense of peace that's ours when we have come to God and have experienced his forgiveness. We, we know that the joy that's ours when we've experienced his love flooding our hearts. A great man by the name of C.S. Lewis, he was an Oxford professor. He wrote a book about his conversion on how he became a Christian, and he, he called the book Surprised by Joy. Now, C.S. Lewis, was a, uh, as an Oxford professor, 
uh, had a real ministry and really appealed to young college students. And I was one of those college students that was really touched and blessed by C.S. Lewis. And in this book, he talks about how he, he really did not believe in God for the first 31 years of his life. In fact, he describes himself as a, uh, as a rationalist and, a, and an idealist atheist. And he spent the first 31 years, or the first years of his life, uh, preaching it and telling everybody that there is no God, ridiculing people and saying that you know, their faith was nonsense and it was all a joke and it couldn't be proven and so on and so forth. But the day finally came when he recognized that all the things he was saying, he no longer believed. In fact, here's what he says. He says, and really, a young atheist, describing himself, a young atheist cannot guard his faith too carefully, recognizing that his atheism was his own brand of faith. So he says, a young atheist cannot guard his faith too carefully. Dangers lie in wait for him on every side. And then he says that in 1929... I gave in. He says, he admitted that God was God, and he knelt and he prayed. And he says, perhaps that night, the most dejected and reluctant convert in all of England, even though at that moment he knew there was no God, he said he felt a dejectedness, and there he was, reluctantly giving his life to Christ. And of course, that was the beginning, but it changed Wonderfully after that, as the title of the book suggests, Surprised by Joy. Something happened to him. He began to recognize that maybe all the things that he believed about, about there being no God was maybe not true. We'll talk, talk about that more in just a moment. But I, I want to read to you the story of the, the Magi in Matthew chapter 2. And it's, it's, a, it's about 12 verses, so bear with me as I read it. And it says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? And the religious leaders and scholars said, in Bethlehem in Judea, for this is what the prophet wrote, quote, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. And by the way, that's why we call Jesus the shepherd or the good shepherd. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. And after the interview, the wise men went their way, and the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them, and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and merchandise. (laughs) 
And when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. And so, folks, we recognize here a people who respond to the sign given by God. And I want to say this before I go any further, because here's what I know. I know that for so many of you, even today, uh, you're struggling with your faith, and maybe some of you have have sort of drifted away, and maybe there was a time in your life when you were fervent for God, you had a close walk with God, and, and you really sensed his presence. But you have to say that that's not the way you feel right now. And maybe for some of you, you don't really have a faith, and you don't really believe in God the way C.S. Lewis did for the first 31 years of his life. But I want you to know this. Although you may not believe in God, God believes in you. And although you may have forgotten God, he hasn't forgotten you. And although you may have given up on God, God has not given up on you. You may feel God doesn't care about you, but I want you to know today that he does. Thank you for reading the scripture for us. (laughs) Don't you love that? As soon as you get it off, come on back. (laughs) So here's what I know, folks. God is constantly calling us. He's constantly looking for us. In fact, the great preacher Spurgeon from the late 1800s said this, that the Holy Spirit, or God, is a hound of heaven. He keeps coming after us until he gets us. Now, that maybe sounds odious, but it's not. It's wonderful. What you need to know is that God loves you, and he's not going to let up on you. He's going to keep coming after you, because there's one thing that matters to God in, 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 in all of the universe, and it's this. It's that God has a relationship with you. Because God is love, and you've heard me say this many times, God is love, and the one thing that matters to him more than anything in the universe is that he enjoys a relationship with you. If you don't have that relationship with God today, I want you to know that you can have that. More about that in a moment. Let's take a moment and just look at this great sign that God shows to the wise men. Now, something that you need to understand is that the the wise men know nothing about Judaism. They don't know anything about the Jews. They don't know anything about church. They don't know anything anything about Jesus. They really know nothing except this. They want to know God. They want to meet God. They want to know who God is, whoever God is. They have no idea, but they want to know him. I'm guessing that at some point they were praying and crying out to God and asking God, please, whoever you are up there, please reveal yourself to us. Show us who you are so that we may worship you. And then the next thing that happens, folks, is that God comes to them. He comes to them and speaks to them in language that they understand, on, term, on their terms, in ways that they can understand who God is. These wise men, sometimes called magi, were astrologers, 
They were the scientists of the day, and they were looking for God, whoever he is, wherever he may be. And suddenly God reveals himself by a star, and it was this that caused the wise men to leave their land. Let's, let's look at these verses again in Matthew 2, 1 to 2. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. And about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his stars that rose, and we have come to worship him. Now, can I just say something, just, just to clarify? Um, we don't know whether there were really three wise men or if there were two wise men or, or ten. We have no idea. We're assuming that there were three because there were three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That's right. We, we, we don't really know for sure whether they were kings or not, but we do know that they were learned men. That's about all we know. They, they, were, they were men who were searching. Now, let the Spirit of God speak to your heart right now. Because I know this, that if your heart is truly searching for God, you will find him. But if you're really, really not searching, if you really don't care, then you're going to get exactly what you're looking for. But if your heart is bent and set on discovering God, I can guarantee you that God will reveal himself to you, even as he did to these wise men. He speaks to them in a language they can understand. He sends them a star and it sets them on a journey towards Bethlehem. God speaks to us and reveals himself in so many ways. Sometimes it's with a star, sometimes it's through a person, but he reveals himself in different ways. Look, there's a, there's a book that was written some years back, uh, written by a, a man by the name of Dr. Paul Brand, who's a physician and surgeon. His specialties were, uh, um, he, he was an expert in surgery on the hand and on and leprosy. And he began to ask questions about God. And he discovered God as he researched and studied the body. And here's, here's what he says. He says that the voice of God is actually encoded in the very structure of our bodies. Now, I'm not a surgeon. I'm not a doctor. So I'm not entirely sure I understand fully what he means by that. I can read his book. But somehow... The way that God revealed himself to the Magi by a star, God revealed himself to Dr. Brand by studying the body. And then I can point you to Kevin Lamoureux, who's in our first service. He's a member of Parliament, the Liberal Party. And it was an election defeat that caused Kevin to come to church. It was through that election defeat that he came to know God as his own Lord and Savior. Dr. Anthony Flew, the late Oxford professor, spent more than 50 years of his life promoting atheism. He was long considered the world's expert in the field and most influential in the area of atheistic philosophy and debating, and as an author. But that all changed in 2004, after more than 50 years of being an atheist. He announced to a surprised world that he had abandoned his atheism and now believed that God must exist, not may exist, or that God did exist, but God must exist. 
He said that it was compelling new scientific evidence that changed his mind. Wayne Sankar, again, in our first service this morning, bad heart caused him to have to resign from the school division, and he was put on the list, on a short list, to receive a heart transplant. Without that heart transplant, he would surely be dead today. The doctors called him and said, we have a match. It's being flown in from Seattle. You need to get to Edmonton immediately. And he quickly packed up his bag and his wife, and he flew out of Winnipeg to Edmonton. And it was early Saturday morning, and I got a phone call from him. Not up to this point, I really didn't know Wayne Sankar. He wasn't really my friend. His daughter and my daughter were best friends, but I didn't really know him that well. But he knew I was a pastor, so he phoned me and he said, is this Alan Duncalf? I said, it sure is. And he started to cry and he said, I have to go in for a heart transplant right now, but I'm afraid. I need you to pray for me. And so right there on the telephone, I was able to share with him how he could discover the presence of God. Remember the peace of God I was just talking about? The peace, the joy, and the love? And there on the telephone, early in Saturday morning, I prayed for him. And I said, Wayne, we can make sure that you, that you have made your peace with God, that you're ready to meet the Lord should something happen. And right there on the phone... God met with him, and he experienced the presence of God. And I said, how do you feel now, Wayne? He says, I feel fantastic. Whereas just moments ago, he was frightened, he was shaking, he was crying, he was scared. Maybe he'd never see his daughters again. Suddenly he had a peace, a profound sense of the presence of God. And he went in, had his surgery. And I'd love for you to hear his story someday. It's fantastic. Right after he got home to Winnipeg, the very first thing he did is he came to church, and he's been coming to church ever since. It took a heart transplant. That was his star. It was the intricacies of the human body that was a star for Dr. Paul Brand. It was scientific evidence. And an honest, intellectually honest man by the name of Anthony Flew who looked at the evidence and said, I have no other choice but to, for, to, but to believe. Historian Yaroslav Pelikan, he says this. He says, regardless of what anyone may personally think or believe about Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth has been the dominant figure in history of Western culture for almost 20 centuries. And it was that fact, that was a star for, for, for Professor Pelican. Now, here's what I know today. I know that for every one of us, there's a star. That God has got something in our life that's drawing us to him, that, where he's literally waving his arms to us and saying, hey, look, look over here, come to me. But the question is this, are you willing? Are you willing to respond to that star that's shining brightly in your life right now? God, by his Holy Spirit, is moving and working, and maybe you're feeling it right now. Maybe inside you're feeling a churning in your heart. I sometimes call it the poke of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that, whom you cannot see somehow knows how to put his finger on us so that we find ourselves feeling maybe a little bit miserable, uncomfortable. I've seen people run out of here because they were so aware and so uncomfortable with the Holy Spirit working on them. 
I would say this to you today, rather than fighting that, why don't you respond to it and say, God, I give, I surrender. Recognizing that the signs that God is giving you is his mercy and his love and his grace, saying, come to me, my child. I care about you. I'm not finished with you. Come and experience the love that I have for you. Come and experience the joy and the peace. And some of you are saying, Pastor, that's not my experience with God. I see him as a nasty, mean old judge ready to hit me because I'm getting it wrong. But here's what you need to know. That's not, that's not my God. My God is a loving God who says he has not come to, to judge or condemn, but to love you. Remember, it's the most important thing to God to have a relationship with you. But you say, Pastor, surely not with me. I'm not that important. In fact, Pastor, if you knew what my past was, I can guarantee you that God is not interested in me. But here's where you're wrong. The Bible says that for God so loved the whole world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Does God love you? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And he will do everything in his power to get your attention. And I know that you know what I'm talking about. Jesus was being challenged by the religious leaders of his day, and they were challenging his authenticity. You're not really a prophet, and who do you think you are? And, and they were trying to shut him down. They were trying to close him down. But Jesus was not moved by that. He, he was bold. And here's what he said to the to the naysayers and to the skeptics and to the critics, he said this. He says, no one can come to God unless the Father draws him. And I want to tell you right now, the Holy Spirit is at work drawing you to him. You say, but Pastor Allen, this message is only for people who are already Christians. No, that, this is where you're wrong. God is constantly drawing not just those who don't know Christ as their Lord and Savior. He's also drawing those who have committed their lives to Christ. He's saying, keep coming to me. Because it's so easy, isn't it, to get caught up in the problems and the cares and the concerns of life. It's so easy, isn't it, to get caught up with all the stresses and the pressures. I got to do this. I got to do that. There's only 10 shopping days left to Christmas. There's no time for God. And God's saying, but this is the reason for the season. This is the most important thing. God's calling you. So what should you do? Well, I'll tell you what the, what the Magi, what the wise men did. They responded to God. They saw that star and they said, well, whatever we've got to do, surely there could be nothing more important in the world than going to see this new king that's born. And so they left their family, they left their homes, they left the comfort of their society and they headed out. They left behind their prejudices, they left behind the comfort that they knew. They were willing to let down their guard. They were willing to say, God, I'm going to give you a chance. And so we see them heading out. Do you know, Jesus was on the earth ministering for three years, three years of intensive ministry. And if you have any kind of a Christian background or Sunday school background, you know some of the stories, don't you know, don't you, about Jesus uh, healing people and casting out devils and, and you know about him feeding the multitudes and, and you know about Jesus and what he taught. 
And you know how he raised the dead? Did some amazing things. Revealing himself, revealing God to the world. And you know that some people responded, but not everybody did. And even after Jesus did his ministry for three years, he died on the cross and rose from the dead and revealed himself to hundreds of people as proof that he was real. Some still would not believe. In fact, the disciples and the converts we read in the book of Acts were were told, stop preaching about Jesus. Don't you talk about him anymore. But of course, the disciples are too excited. They couldn't help themselves. And we see Peter on the day of Pentecost standing up and telling everybody about Jesus. And the Bible says that 2,000 people became Christians that day. But it didn't stop there. It says that all of Jerusalem is turned upside down. Everybody had heard about Jesus. Everybody knew who he was. And now they're seeing Many, many lives change and transform. But some did not believe. Some refused to believe. They saw the evidence. They saw the healed people. They saw and heard the testimony, but they refused to believe. And so the one particular disciple by the name of Stephen, he's called up before the courts, the religious courts of the land, and he's been told, stop preaching, stop teaching, stop telling people about Jesus. But he refuses. And so he's very life is threatened. And he thinks, my life is coming to an end now, so I'm going to give my last best sermon I ever gave. And he tells them about the love of Jesus and how Jesus has come to take away the sin of the world. And he looks his judges straight in the eye and he says, must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? And that's what I ask you this morning. How much longer will you resist the Holy Spirit? God has shown himself to you in so many ways. And you know what they are. I don't know, but you know. You know the little things that have happened. You know the, of the, of the choreography of the Holy Spirit who's caused things to happen so that you're at this place right here today, this moment, hearing what you're hearing. The wise men responded. The question is, will you? You know, some people growing up in the church and they were baptized as babies and they went to catechism and then they were confirmed and then they had their first communion and they think, well, that's it. That's all I've got to do. And maybe if you're not from that tradition, you say, I went to Sunday school all my life and uh, said the sinner's prayer and I think I'm ready to go to heaven if something should happen. And, and that's about the extent of your Christianity. Here's what I want you to know today. God is not interested in your religion. God is not interested in how religious you are. What God is concerned about is your relationship to him. Have you responded to him? God wants only one thing from you, folks. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to know how much he loves you, and he wants you to love him in return. That's what God wants. That's the bottom line, as they say. That's Christianity in a nutshell. He wants you to come to him and experience the love, the joy, and the peace I was talking about. 
Now, here's the thing, folks. These wise men are a fantastic example to us because they recognize God's hand at work in their lives. They recognized how God broke into their world by revealing to them a star. Do you know God's reaching out to us in in so many ways? Do you know, when I was a boy, I gave my heart to to Jesus. You know, even before my family was serving God, I, I gave my heart to Christ And I knew that I knew that I knew that God loved me. And I knew that I needed to follow him. I knew that I wanted God with all my heart. And I remember when I shared the news with my grandmother and told her about how I'd given my life to Jesus and how much I loved God and how excited I was about it. I was surprised at her response to me, just a young boy. She ridiculed me. Now, up until this moment, this grandma was, was a favorite. She made the most delicious holupchi. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Most, I mean, you can overlook a lot of sin, man, if you can make good pierogies, right? <laughs> pierogies, cabbage rolls, amazing, the best of Ukrainian food. Fun, nothing but fun, great memories with grandma. Until the day that I said, I believe in Jesus. And what happened from that day forward is I began to be attacked by my grandmother. She attacked me for my faith. She attacked me for what I believed in. She did not like the fact that I'd become a Christian. She said, Alan, you're taking it far too seriously. You're taking it to extremes. Just relax about it. Stop talking about it. But you see, Jesus has saved me. I knew that I was a Christian I felt the weight of my sin lifted from my shoulders. I knew I belonged to God. It was good news. I had to share it with everybody I could, and and I I sure wanted my grandma to go to heaven. And one day I was uh, on the way over to visit my grandmother. She lived at the Valhalla apartment blocks. It was a lot of years ago. On my way on the bus and feeling so discouraged, and I remember you know, my very childlike ways, praying on the bus, saying, God, please, please help me, and I don't know what to say, and Grandma's, Grandma's so angry at me for my faith, and I, I love my Grandma, and just, just really not even knowing what to pray, but frustrated. And suddenly, a little old lady got on the bus, and uh, the bus is pretty empty, and... You know, I kind of moved to the edge I just because I wanted, I had praying. I'd, I was, didn't want anybody sitting beside me, but she sat down like on that little piece that was left of the bench and shoved me over. <laughs> and, well, well, here's a very uh, ag- aggressive granny. And uh, I, I don't remember what she looks like, but I do remember what she smelled like. Smelled like mothballs. <laughs> and she began to talk to me. And she began to say things like this to me. She said, uh, young man, I want you to know that God loves you. And God has heard your prayers. He cares about you. And I want you to know, young man, that God wants to help you with whatever you're going through right now. God cares. 
God's not forgotten about you. Go and do whatever God wants you to do and put a smile on your face, young man. And then she got up and got off the bus. I sat there with my my mouth hanging open. I couldn't believe what this woman had just said because it was exactly what I needed to hear. I recognized the hand of God. This little old lady was my star. And I quickly jumped out of my seat and followed her, got off the bus, and, you know, can you imagine a, a teenager running after a little old lady? I mean, kind of scary. I yelled out to her, and I said, please stop. And she turned around, and I said, why, why did you do that? Why did you, why did you come sit beside me? Why did you tell me those things? And her answer was very simple. She said, because God told me to. And I reached out to give her a hug, this woman I don't know. And I said, you had no idea how much that meant to me. Thank you, thank you so much. She said, young man, go with God. And she turned around and walked away. I wasn't that far from my grandma, so I walked the rest of the way to her apartment on the, in the Valhalla apartment blocks. And I had a brand new boldness about my faith. And I told her, I told grandma what I believed And I felt the power, the very presence of God helping me as I faced my grandma. And you know what? From that day forward, she never, ever attacked my faith again. But you know what she did do? She attacked my profession. She didn't think I should be a pastor. She thought I should sell shoes at Eaton's. (laughs) Which which tells you what she knows. There's no such thing as Eaton's anymore. The wise men responded to God. They came to Jesus. You know what they did? When they saw Jesus, the Bible said, well, in this scripture it says they, they, they bowed down, but in the Greek it says they fell down. They literally fell down on their face before Jesus Christ. Now, folks, here's what you and I need to do. This is what we need to understand. When you come to that place where you surrender your life, to Jesus Christ, when you will fall down in his presence and worship him, something begins to happen in your heart. You stop thinking that you need to be in control and you let God be in control of your life. Here's what I know. God does a far better job controlling my life than I do. God does a far better job leading me and guiding me in the way that I should go than than I ever could. These wise men, they came to God and they fell down before him and they worshiped him in full surrender. That's what God's calling you and me to do. He's calling us to come to him in full surrender and say, God, I give up. I don't know if anybody here has ever been arrested before. Don't put your hands up, please. (laughs) But when you're arrested, what do they say? Hands up, put your hands against the wall. Why is that? It's an act of surrender. It's saying, I'm giving you full control of my life. That's exactly what God's asking for. It's it's coming to that place where you're saying, God, I'm going to let you have control of my life because you're better at it than I am. 
That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, here's the cool thing that happens. In that moment of full surrender, you experience the presence and the power of God in your life. All of the stress and anxiety and anger and frustration, you feel it just leave your body. All those feelings of insecurity, those feelings that God hates you and is angry at you, is out to get you, all that leaves you as you realize that God has only one agenda, and that's to love you and care for you. That's who God is. My grandmother lived a a good long life, but she always remained resistant to God. She was afraid of it. And I came to realize as I got older that grandmother had a very, very, very difficult life. Her home life, her childhood was very, very difficult. And so, you know, as you get older, you begin to understand these things and realize that this, this angry, bitter woman had a difficult struggle through her life. And you begin to say, God, I understand. And I began to see my grandmother not as an enemy, but as somebody who really needed God. Resistant to God her whole life, she finally became very sick. I remember visiting her at the Misericordia Hospital, and I asked the nurses, Is she, can I talk to her? They said, yes, you can talk, and she can hear everything you're saying. She just can't respond. Her eyes were closed. And I said, hello, Grandma. And I said, if you can hear me, just squeeze my hand. And she squeezed my hand. I said, Grandma, you know that you may not have much time left in this world. But Grandma, I want to make sure that someday that you and I are going to spend eternity together. I want to make sure that you're ready to see God. Grandma, I want, I want to make sure that you made your peace with God. Would it be okay, Grandma, if I prayed for you? And I waited. And then finally she squeezed my hand, which meant Yes. And so I began to pray. I prayed on behalf of my grandmother. And I said, Grandma, if you, if you agree with what I'm praying for you this, today, then just squeeze my hand to say yes. And there she was in the, really the last, very last days, maybe even hours of her life. I was able to pray a prayer that brought peace to her heart and the presence of God. I said, if you agree with the prayer, I pray, Grandma, squeeze my hand, and she squeezed it. I said, Grandma, do you feel better? She squeezed my hand hard. I said, you know, Grandma, your sins are all forgiven. She squeezed my hand. You ready to see Jesus? She squeezed my hand. Now I can tell you that in my whole life, I had never seen anything remotely close to that. Nothing but resistance and anger. But in that moment when she's prepared, preparing to, to face God, she made her peace. And she said, I believe. Now, folks, I was her star. That little lady was a star for me, and I was a star for my grandmother. I was able to lead her to Jesus and help her to find the presence of God. What star has God brought into your life? After the service this morning, someone came and gave me a big hug and said, Pastor Alan, you were my star this morning. That's exactly what I needed to hear. I know this, God loves you so much. 
and wants desperately for you to enter into relationship with him where you can know his peace, his love, and his joy. That's what Christmas is about. The question is this, will you respond? Will you respond to his great love? Would you stand with me, please? Father, we want to say thank you for the signs that you send to us. You send people into our lives, events. You reveal yourself where we are in language and in terms that we can understand. So God, right now we pray in the name of Jesus that you would give us the grace and the strength to do what the wise men did. They responded to you. They left their comfort zone and they did everything that they could to get to Jesus. God, I pray right now that each person here, wherever they are on their journey, whether they have never yet come to Jesus or if there are some who have walked away from Jesus or have slidden away from Jesus, God, may this be a day in the midst of this Christmas season where we'd each of us find our way back to the Lord who loves us, who wants to give us peace in the midst of our turmoil, who wants to give us joy in the midst of our sadness, who wants to love us in the midst of our fear. God, thank you today for loving us. Thank you for the gift of your peace and joy. And I pray that every single person here today would discover that love, that presence of God. And we pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me. Amen. Amen. Tell the person,